This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Magpies Unrestricted. Hello ladies and gents, welcome to Magpies Unrestricted, where we'll be talking all things Newcastle United. I'm your host Chris Simpson, and joining me today is Cara Thistlethwaite. Hello. And we are joining you listeners after Newcastle's final home game of the season, a 2-0 win over Arsenal. And I've got to say, possibly our best performance yet under Eddie Howe? Yeah, potentially. It, it makes a difference when you've got your full squad, effectively. Um, I think it should have been more than 2-0. Arsenal were not great in the back or anyway, really, on the pitch, which is unusual because they had been playing really well this season. I say maybe more than two. The amount of possession and, I suppose, uh, pressing forwards, maybe Newcastle should have got more than two. But again, in the final third, they just made the best of the two proper good chances that they had. There was maybe one or two, I think, was it Jolington smash one over the bar? But otherwise, I thought it was a really good, really, really good performance. Yeah, I mean, literally, pretty much from the, the first whistle, it was all Newcastle. Um, I can't, I'm not sure what our final possession was, but after 22 minutes, I made a note that we'd had 63%, which I have to say was a nice contrast with the City game last week, where 10 minutes into the second half, and we had 1% possession in that 10-minute spell, and it's... <laughs> And I mean, Newcastle are a team that's still still getting used to being a team that even has possession, um, even all these months later beyond the uh, the Steve Bruce uh, reign. And yet, yeah, like I say, start to finish, I thought we played really well. I think Arsenal looked quite nervous because they had a lot riding on this, and this is a pretty calamitous result for them in their race for the top four. Spurs you, uh, fans, you are welcome. Uh, any who randomly are listening to a Newcastle podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, we, we just, I thought, first half, we, well, I mean, I thought we dominated pretty much the whole game. First half, we only really had that one good opportunity, which was through ASM, where, to be fair, he forced a, a decent save from Ramsdale. Yeah, exactly. But, but yes. I, I suppose I suppose you have to give props to, to Arsenal there for right at the end denying... Newcastle with some really good clear plat chances. I'm not saying their defence was great, but they did make it difficult for for Newcastle to, to have a shot on goal. So, but yes, yeah, second half, I think um, obviously that first goal came was, turned out to be an own goal from Ben White in the end. Uh, we thought and hoped that it was Callum Wilson. That was my one probably gripe um, about the game was just that Wilson, who who played fantastically, just didn't manage to get on the score sheet. But I mean. When your main, when your biggest gripe from a game is just that a particular player didn't happen to be one of the ones who scored your winning goals, well, it's been a pretty good day. Uh, I suppose my other gripe is that, I mean, at what cost have we won? Callum Wilson and his beautiful smile possibly, possibly oh, ruined, ruined forever. Oh, after he lost his two. He has enough money. <laughs> it will be fine. You won't even notice it by this time next week. But I think that the, the major concern really is is Fabian Shah. Obviously, off with a head injury, it did look like he he did lose consciousness for a, a minute or a couple of seconds. But 
Yeah, he looked... Um, he sparked, so... Yeah, that sort of collision with Nketiah, and he, he was... Str- you could tell straight away he wasn't moving, and thankfully he did you know, walk off the pitch and everything. Hopefully he's fine, and it was just a precautionary um, concussion substitution. Obviously after... Uh, so he, he, he clearly looked like he'd lost consciousness from the pictures that we could see. He obviously, no matter what state he was in, when he sort of woke up, as he were, obviously, he, he had to go off. Uh, hopefully... That's the extent of it, and, and um, you know, not, nothing more untoward than that. And maybe we'll see him on the final day of the season. Maybe not if they're just being really precautionary with him because it's obviously less than a week now uh, until then. Either way, yeah, ho- hopefully nothing serious there. And yeah, like I say, own goal from Ben White early on. Obviously, credit to Callum Wilson. I mean, without hit. If, if White hadn't have turned it in, Carl Wilson would have. Yeah, it was one and of those ones where, obviously, you're going to be happy with a goal um, for your team, no matter what, but it it was unfortunate for, for Ben White because there wasn't much else he could do and also unfortunate for Callum Wilson because he didn't. He wasn't the one to tip it in. Um, yeah, I mean, so, both, both players there would have wished it happened the other way around. It was, exactly. Was, but, I mean, Callum Wilson was very, very close to scoring his long-range uh, chip of the keeper. Yeah, I mean, oh god, that I mean, it looked close initially, but then we showed the replays. That really, that was inches away, wasn't it? I know, and it's, it's upsetting because everybody likes to see a lovely goal like that. But again, Callum Wilson being in those positions is what caused a lot of disturbance in in the back four of Arsenal, and ultimately resulted in in the goals with him either touching the ball or not. Yeah, I mean, so, he, he was hungry, wasn't he? And he was showing his pace. And it, and it did make you think, like, God, if, if he'd have actually been fit, I mean, let's, as I say, we've done really, really well without him. Imagine what we might have done if he'd have actually been around on the pitch as well, because, um, again, a, a bit of a reminder ahead of next season, I'm, I'm sure we'll probably will bring in some more reinforcements, attacking reinforcements this summer. But a reminder that, um, again, when he is fit, Cal Nelson, he is a real threat. And, like I say, Said he's you know pretty much been injured since uh, December. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can uh, do, assuming he can stay fit, which is a big if, unfortunately, with him. But I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do with the likes of Bruno, with hopefully maybe a refreshed Sam Maximan and Almiron, with whoever else we may be bringing this summer. You know, feeding that ammunition that he didn't really have in the Steve Bruce era. Well, if, if we're going to try and take some hope from this. Um, maybe potentially because we've got more of a team effort going on and more of that ethos at Newcastle that Wilson and Sam Maxwell are not going to be the only ones putting everything on the line Yeah. Um, that potentially they will be less likely to get injured because they're not having to do everything maybe sharing the load a little bit obviously that is all hypothetical <laughs> we have no idea if that's true or not but fingers crossed, everything crossed really, because it's a shame when Callum Wilson isn't in the team because he does bring a lot. Um, and I think it, in many cases, it, for, for some teams, you do need that player who's always running, always pushing just to drive everybody else forward. Not saying that Newcastle haven't been doing that, but I think if Callum Wilson was in that team for the whole 90 minutes against Man City, I think we would have seen a bit more, uh, was it, like enthusiasm going forward and and in other games. Again, not saying they haven't been doing that, but... It really does. There are players that energise everybody around them, and I think Callum Wilson's one of those. Yeah, definitely. Like I say, looking forward to seeing him. If he can stay fit, 
um, for a decent stretch of next season, really um, seeing what he can do in this Eddie Howe team. Um, obviously, it's been great the fact that we've been able to do so well when he's not been playing because obviously that was the big concern is like, you know, where are the goals going to come from? And obviously, we've shared them around. I mean, we had another one for Bruno last night. I think that's five now. Um, we obviously only came in in January. And again, he's nominally a defensive midfielder. So it's great that we've we've got other sources of goals. Um, credit to Jolinton, actually, for the uh, the great sort of assist slash his run down the left for that first goal, um, forcing the issue, like I say, you know, either Ben White put it in Wilson was going to so great from him and of course it was nice for him because he's just been named our player of the season for 21-22 we'll talk a bit more about him next week um, when we sort of look back on the season properly and uh, I imagine we'll have plenty to say about him Um, but yeah just it was it was nice moment for him last night and I think the other thing for me was just just that atmosphere I mean obviously we've, we've spoken about it in recent weeks we've seen how much better it's been in in recent weeks and months as well but there's something special brewing on the pitch now at at St James's Park and and the fans the fans can feel it I think in this case other teams can feel it because I think that did feed into Arsenal maybe not playing as well as they could again you know they're a young team it would have been quite an intimidating atmosphere for them to play in last night and it's not the first time this season that, although I think Arsenal have mostly done well, though it looks like it's going to be a slightly disappointing end for them. I think that is something we have seen this season that, as good as they've been overall, there is still that a bit of um, trepidation there when there's a big atmosphere. And I, I can say, I'm looking forward to next season. Hopefully, we can really make St James's Park a fortress. We certainly have in the second half of this season, and if we can do that next season and really you know get some really solid results at home that's a great foundation to work on to you know first first and foremost just avoiding that relegation battle but then hopefully kicking on into the top half and and beyond you know for the seasons to come i love how you talk about it like it's a cult <laughs> i mean you're not far off i suppose but <laughs> i mean to be honest what what is football if uh, uh if not really just like a giant cult of brainwashed followers who hate the other brainwashed followers who follow their teams and all the rest of it. <laughs> Men, just a whole load of sheep. <laughs> um, also, to be honest, I'm, I'm, I've been kind of putting this off, but unfortunately I do have to put this slight dampener on it all now, which is a shame because, like I say, it was our possibly our best performance of, of the Eddie Howe era. It was certainly certainly right up there and said absolutely phenomenal atmosphere but this of course came after if you uh, if you happen to miss it last week listeners the uh, the news that our away kit for next season has uh, seemingly been leaked nothing the club have necessarily confirmed it but it it looked quite legit and it's 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 basically identical to the Saudi Arabia uh, national team kit so basically it's a plain white shirt with like a green trim Basically, like I said, pretty much identical to their their national team kit, and I just I almost have no words for how disappointing that is. Um, like, obviously, I'm first and foremost, like it's it's hardly at the uh, the top of the uh, Saudi Arabian list of crimes, shall we say? 
Um, so I'm, I'm not trying to suggest that, you know, ruining our away kit is anything compared to like the actual atrocities that that regime gets up to. I'm not trying to say that for one moment, listeners. Um, but just like, just from like, like just an, an optics standpoint, supposedly the whole basis of their takeover of Newcastle is is supposedly predicated on this ironclad, you know, proof supposedly that they gave the Premier League that the PIF and Saudi Arabia are two separate entities and that we aren't owned by the nation of Saudi Arabia, even though, spoiler alert, we are. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I get that the whole point of the sports washing is to launder Saudi's reputation. It is to make Saudi Arabia kind of front and centre, obviously. But at the same time, if I was like Newcastle's PR person, I'd be like, well, <laughs> you know, the more obviously you make the links between the country and the club, the more criticism Newcastle are going to get. Like, I just find it funny <laughs> that, you know, if, if it was under Mike Ashley's reign and, I don't know, maybe, let's okay, let's get this out first. Newcastle's second and third kits have notoriously been absolutely atrocious. <laughs> okay, so to be honest, in comparison to some of the, the those that we've seen in the past, what I'm about to say actually isn't too far out there. Um, but if, there had been a third kit in my shash, my, my shash, I can't speak today. Mike Ashley um, had not only just put a sports direct logo or done, done it in the colours and just had like a collage of his face on it or whatever. Um, everyone would have kicked off, you know, or using the club as, uh, you know, as branding and you're not the sponsor or, oh, you're making the link between the club and, and, and your business really clear. And he's like, surely this is the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, and don't get me wrong, there were plenty of fans who are pretty appalled by this, as, as I am. But equally, as we've seen, you know, there's some fans on social media and in the stadium mm. who have basically made their peace with the fact that they're quite happy actually to not only welcome the Saudis but actually defend them basically at every turn. And yeah, there were some fans, um, you know, on social media defending this kit and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, guys, come on! I and again, I thought it was particularly um, fitting, actually, that a couple of hours before the game, as I'm sure you may have heard, listeners, Blackpool's Jake Daniels, only 17 years old, this lad, and he came out as the first openly gay male footballer in the UK um, since Justin Fashion, so in, in decades. You know, such an inspiring step from, you know, this incredibly brave young man. I cannot say enough, like, hats off to hats off to him, you know. And then you sort of think, like, Saudi Arabia literally behead gay men for loving who they love. And it's, like, I, I, it doesn't, I don't care how much money they pour into the club, which, according to the uh, Athletic, Apparently, it's around £168 million so far in equity funding, which covers the transfers and, and, and other stuff like that. Like, don't get me wrong, I've obviously loved having Bruno at the club. I've loved having Trippier. I love the fact that we've done really well the second half of the season. I love the fact that we're playing good football and that everything on the pitch looks so more optim- so much more optimistic than it would have if we still had Mike Ashley and, and Steve Bruce. But at the same time... You you have to you, you can't celebrate these people, 
you, you have to question them. You have to question the money. You have to demand answers from them I at think, all I times. It, I think, again, this isn't just a, a, a Newcastle thing, though. I think, as we talked about before, right at the start of the takeover, I think this is something that a lot of clubs need to be doing. And unfortunately for Newcastle, this takeover has kind of been the spotlight on these issues. They're not the only club that have shady owners with shady beginnings and uh, shady belief systems. And I'm not just talking about religion. I'm, I'm also talking about, you know, I suppose culture. Um, yeah. But, you know, we've seen what's happened with Chelsea. I think Newcastle do need to be a bit concerned about it. Now, and then again, on the flip side, nothing ever gets done to Man City. So, you know, clearly... Clearly, they've got an amount of money there just to walk away from everything, which Newcastle are also in the same price bracket now. But I don't think the fans should just automatically take the side of their owners all the time. You going and questioning something about the people who own you or, you know, having doubts about something, that isn't you not loving the club. And I think I think a lot of fans, not just for Newcastle, but for their own teams as well, need to separate their club and the owners and you can question and not be a bad fan yeah I mean I, well yeah I'm sure that there are plenty of Newcastle fans the kind who do defend our owners who would probably listen to this and they would probably absolutely hate me uh, and, and they'll also hate me for with. being female um, and <laughs> talking about football um, you know but at the end of the day and I know I'm not a local fan as well so I know that that you know possibly plays into it I've inherited it from my dad, obviously, he was from Whitley Bay. Yeah, I know, but if you, as you clearly have the choice <laughs> and you're still stuck with me I mean, all this time. Yeah, <laughs> guys, I, if I'd have gone with my mum's side of the family, I'd be a Man United supporter. And now I know they've had a dodgy time recently, but how much easier would my football supporting life would have been? Especially in the 90s. In the 90s, nearly 2000s, mm. if I'd have adopted Man United instead. But no, I did it the hard way, guys. <laughs> So, you know, I've got just as much right to my opinion as well. I mean, I don't even know who I'm talking to. Those people, you've I'm, got yourself very worked up over there. There's a straw man here. These people don't even listen to the podcast. <laughs> but, yeah, I, at the end of the day, they might be, and so far they have been, really good owners of our club in terms of what they're doing for Newcastle. And they might do some great things in the city. And, and that is to be lauded. But you still have to look up the reasons behind it. Like, I mean, obviously, we, we've seen in other sports as well, you know, there's this new big Saudi-backed uh, golf league um, that's starting this year. I think it's going to have $255 million worth of prize money. Well, we know where that's coming from. There's, um, you know, we, Formula One have races in Saudi Arabia and things like that. I think that, you know other like boxing. Like there's 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 a lots of lots of different sporting events that get taking that Saudi money, but they're all they're... using each other as excuses for it. So in the golf, they're like, oh well, if it's good enough for Newcastle and F1, why can't we take the money? Newcastle fans or the, the kind who are more positive about the Saudis are like, well, it's in F1 and it's golf. Why are we getting all the flack? And it, like, we're all just using each other as an excuse for why it's all right. And it's like, does it not sponsor female football too? <sighs> I, I mean, look, I mean, and again, that's the thing. One of the things that they, it looks like they are doing, based on, for example, the, our, our women's team playing at St. James' Park the other week, is it seems like we are finally going to really bring them in-house, really give them 
the kind of backing potential like I'm not, we've I'm seen, not, say, Chelsea give to yeah. their women's team, City and give to theirs. Um, I'm not going to lie, you could literally just buy them a new second kit and that's more money that's ever been put into your women's team at the moment. I mean, so, pr- pretty much. So, yeah. but I, And again, it, it, it's a great thing if Newcastle's women's team is supported the way that it should be, the way all men's teams, especially in the Premier League, should be supporting their women's teams, um, assuming they even have them, which they should, because again, there's no excuse. The fact that Man United only got one a couple of years ago is a genuine disgrace because, like, I'm sorry, you've got infinite money. You can, like, I mean, obviously in an ideal world, it would be 50-50, but even if you if you want to look at it just in the pure numbers, like you you spent eighty million quid on Paul Pogba, and then God knows how much on his wages. You can throw a few million quid towards your women's team each year, and it, that to you that that you know to clubs like that it costs nothing. So again, you know it, it, it is a great thing that we're hopefully going to see with the Newcastle women's team in the coming years, and that should rightfully be praised. But again, you, you've still got to shine a light on these things and, and ask, well, that's great, but how are you treating women in your own country? Like, where where's this money coming from? And all, all these questions. And, yeah, it doesn't make you any less of a fan to, to ask that. Um, so, yeah, our, our, this Saudi kit might do numbers in in Saudi Arabia. If, you know, if half the country buy it, you know, then that could make us a crap load of money. That obviously helps ease this, this um, you know, all the FFP concerns. Which, yeah, sure, it's great for the spreadsheet. It's great for the fact that you know we can then maybe chuck another forty million quid at a midfielder. But and that's all exciting. And, and when it happens, I'll be excited. You know, the, like Bruno arriving or whoever, I'll, I'll be guilty of getting excited for that. But that doesn't mean that everything, in the, at least in the back of my mind, has that sort of asterisk next to it that. Just that nagging, clawing feeling. and I, th- I think it's just accountability, isn't it? You have to be able to hold yeah. your club up to accountability. And at the end of the day, that's who you're representing. That's who's representing you. So, you know, should be held up to the standards that the fans uphold. And then shouldn't have to sacrifice any of those. Yeah. So, I, yeah. As you can tell, listeners, we're not a fan of this kit. Um, I mean, obviously, it'd be very plain, but like, you could just have a white kit with a little black trim or a black kit with a little white trim. Again, it'd be plain. It wouldn't be the most exciting thing in the world, but it would probably look quite smart. It's Even just setting everything else aside, I just don't think it looks very good with the green. No, I think it, I think they should have just done white white and black. But then again, I think if you're going to start off Newcastle's uh, next season, you just, you know, you've had some absolute batshit uh, kits, so... <laughs> Playing white is a step in the right direction. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so... Look I want to go us. back to you, Rebob Custard. <laughs> yeah, we'll look forward to us turning out in that uh, next season. Hopefully we'll be wearing the home kit more often than not. But Yeah. <laughs> anyway, look, we've only got one game left of the season now. Away at Burnley next Sunday. Obviously, we're all kicking off at four o'clock, everyone at the same time. And I have to say, I am so, so glad that we don't have survival on the line going into this game. It's been so, so long and so, so many, so, 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 so many games that you thought this would be the day of reckoning. Um, but yeah, I mean, so far, Burnley at the bottom, 
one point behind these, two points behind Everton. They've got a lot to play for. To be honest, so does everyone else. And again, I don't I don't actually mind Everton as a football team, but I do kind of want them to go down just because <laughs> I think it'll be more interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, as you said, and uh, that's at the time of recording. And, well, it'll be the same situation when this podcast goes out. But Burnley do have two games left to play. They're going to play on Thursday. So their situation could have changed by the time we play them on Sunday. I don't, I don't think, I could be wrong, I don't think there'll be any circumstances where they will be mathematically safe, though, come Sunday. So whatever happens in their match on Thursday, win or lose, they're going to be still fighting for everything. Um, so, like I say, I'm really glad that we're not either. I still want us to do well. I hope that we're not just on the beach. Um, it would be nice to end, end the season with one more win. Um, but yeah, it's just a relief, especially because Burnley are playing a lot better now under Mike Jackson since they got rid of Sean Dyche. I, I was one of, I think, many people who thought that that was a mistake getting rid of Sean Dyche. But, well, obviously, look, they may still go down, but whether they do or not, it's probably vindicated because they certainly improved quite significantly after he left. They certainly got that new manager bounce. Oh, but your first win of the season was against them in December. In December, yes, our first, our first win of the season, a reminder that it came in December. Look forward to some topsy-turvy uh, season assessments from us next week, listeners, when we look back on the season and try and grade it and, and analyse it. Cause I mean, luck. let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, we've actually got a pretty pretty decent record against Burnley, which makes a change. Um <laughs> Five, five wins, uh, sorry, um, yeah, five wins from our last eight meetings with the Clarets. And that includes two victories at Turf Moor, which of course is where we'll be playing on Sunday. So from that point of view, um, you know, we're not going to be, it's not like against Arsenal where we've got like the better part of a decade to overturn in terms of uh, results. I mean, mm. I think I heard that Ben White's own goal was our first goal against Arsenal since 2018, which is just... Absolutely abysmal. Well, yeah, yeah, it, it, it is bad. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting one. Um, whatever happens, like I said, nice as it would be to end the season with, you know, just get one more win in the bank. It doesn't really mean anything at this point, but it just, it's just nice, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, whatever happens, the pressure's off for us, so that, that's the main thing, really. So, we can, we're sort of, whatever happens, as long as we don't randomly get battered or something... We're kind of just free to enjoy it, what you know, whatever, whatever may come. So, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. As you say, hopefully ending on a high. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. And then, oof, and then we've got the busy task of trying to fill in podcasts with no football <laughs> and potentially. Oh, it's fine. Newcastle. A couple of transfers. Newcastle go on a spending spree. It'll be fine. Oh yeah. Don't question where the money comes from. It's no. all good. It's yeah. All good. <laughs> but anyway we'll be back with you next week listeners in the meantime if you could please give the podcast a like and subscribe and a positive review that'd be absolutely fantastic and we've been magpies and restricted i've been your host chris simpson thanks cara no problem and thank you listeners Bye. bye this podcast is part of the big heads media podcast network go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts